0: The theme of this album is, as the title says, Black Renaissance Woman. It's about African-American women who really came into their own in the first half of the 20th century. The Black Renaissance is an era of cultural rebirth and that translates into the music that we hear. It's an album that reflects the empowerment of women at this time.
1: Welcome to Black Muse. I'm Howard Sandifer, and thank you for joining us today as we engage in the lively art of conversation with a very special guest. Dr. Samantha Ege. An award-winning researcher, internationally recognized concert pianist, and a renowned public speaker, Dr. Ege belongs to a new generation of scholars who are redefining classical music and illuminating the diversity of its past, present, and future. Dr. Ege, welcome to Black Muse.
0: Thank you very much for inviting me to share my work and to have this conversation with you today.
1: Before we begin talking about the exciting work in which you are presently involved, please tell us a little bit about your background. I know that you work and live in London. Were you born there?
0: I was born a little outside of London. I tend to say yes, I'm from London, but I'm from the outskirts. Um, I was born in um, Surrey. I like many of the women that I study, have have been playing the piano since I was about three years old. Um, And so classical music, especially classical piano playing, has always been a huge part of my life. And growing up, I I studied music in elementary school, middle school, high school, and university. And even though I didn't really know what my career in music would look like, it was very clear to me that whatever it was, it it would be music and um as someone who likes to travel as someone who's very adventurous i had the opportunity to study abroad at mcgill university in canada and this was the first time um that i encountered the music of florence price there was this early 20th century music course and a name sort of just tucked away in there was florence price and margaret bonds and i didn't really think anything of these names because black women hadn't up until this point so I didn't really register who they were until I heard their music and then I read about their lives and all of a sudden my place in classical music seemed very very clear and so after that I spent some time teaching I taught in Kuwait for a while I taught in Singapore and while I was in Singapore I felt that I wanted to return to Florence Price and so I started to play her music and, and just get to know her um, again and decided that I wanted to take that further and that became my PhD and that became my whole life and so here we are today and, and it's incredible that you know, you know that one trip to Canada um, where I would meet Florence Price of all people um, has just had such a profound influence on the rest of my life.
1: Dr. Ege, your work about the music of Black women composers is known worldwide. I read that the music of Florence Price and the other Black women composers of the Black Chicago Renaissance has had a tremendous impact upon your life. Is that true?
0: Yes. So while I was beginning my my research on Florence Price, my advisor, Professor William Brooks, told me, if you're going to do this work, you need to go to Chicago. You need to go to Arkansas. You can't just stay you know, where you are and, and use secondhand sources. You need to be in the places where these women were. And I'd never been to Chicago before, hadn't been to Arkansas before. Um, and so it was the beginning of a, a real um, connection with not just the music, not just these women, but with the places that they were from. And in it was 2017 that I made my first ever trip to Chicago um, and I had been unwell um, For a few days during the trip and um, ended up in Northwestern hospital um, overnight, and I was supposed to go to a concert um, at the CSO and so I recovered and I made my way to the concert and I was. I mean, I wasn't feeling great and definitely wasn't feeling sociable. And Sheila Jones, the director of the African American Network, came up to me and she was so smiley and she was so friendly. And I thought, I don't think this woman knows me, but <laughs> she is just so warm and I, I feel so welcome. And she started talking to me, you know, why are you here in Chicago? And I said, Oh, I don't have you heard of Florence Price? Such a naive question to ask her. But I I said, have you heard of Florence Price? I'm I'm doing some research on her. And she goes, oh, yeah, I know who Florence Price is. And then Barbara Wright Pryor was also there. And so I met these two incredible women who actually really opened the door for me personally. Um, Sheila Jones then invited me the next year to present my work on Florence Price. And because I'd be presenting in Chicago, I knew that I had to bring in this Black Chicago Renaissance context. Um, And also the idea of talking about Chicago to people who are from Chicago is very daunting (laughs) as an outsider. So I really had to do my homework and I just fell in love with the story of Black women's advocacy, activism, artistry, in the 1930s and 1940s, the fact that Florence Price was part of this incredible era, part of this incredible network. And it's a story that um, is very much still with me. I love writing about it. I love performing the music that came out of this era. And it's just, it's so incredible that I in a way experienced what Florence Price experienced, you know, having Black women uplift me and my work um, and and give me those opportunities to really see what it is or what it was that I could do. So I'm incredibly grateful to Sheila and Barbara for, you know, that that moment of of connection.
1: Two incredible women, Miss Sheila Jones and Miss Barbara wright Pryor. Can you also talk a little bit about the other remarkable women who were part of the black chicago renaissance
0: so when florence price arrived in chicago and moved there permanently around 1927 um there were many women that were part of her network one was a woman called estella bonds who was a church organist and she was an educator and she really she really knew everyone and her home was this hub of musical and intellectual activity and her daughter was Margaret Bonds. So when when Price had her symphonic debut at the CSO in 1933, Margaret Bonds also was the first black female instrumental soloist to perform with the CSO. She played John Alden Carpenter's um, uh, piano concertina. Kocchitino um and so there's a wonderful connection there and Florence Price wrote works dedicated to Margaret Bonds and Margaret Bond's champion Florence Price's works and Price was Margaret Bond's teacher as well, so there's a wonderful story of um, mentorship and sisterhood there. Um, Nora Holt is another really important figure. She left Chicago a little before Price arrived, but Holt was the first music critic for the Chicago Defender and so she really um, Sort of laid the blueprint for, you know, music criticism at that time. She showed that she could she could educate her audiences about music. So if they weren't physically listening to um, the concerts that she was at, she would describe what was happening in a way where audiences could feel as though they were there. And so that was really important in in breaking down, you know, elitist. Cultural barriers around classical music. She really um, believed that the study of harmony could lead to racial harmony. You know, um, she had just very powerful ideas about music and its ability to transform. Um, so when when she left, um, Maud Roberts George took over as the music critic. And another thing also that I should mention about um, Holt is that she was the co-founder of the National Association of Negro Musicians and had a meeting at her home that really uh, moved things along basically. The meeting I think was in 1918 and then the first conference was the year after at the Wabash Avenue YMCA. Um, So she's a really pivotal figure there. And even when she leaves Chicago, her legacy is is very much embedded, you know, culturally. Um, And Betty Jackson King, um, she's more uh, of a later generation of Margaret Bond's generation. Um, But her mother, Um, of the same generation as Estella Bonds and Maud Roberts George and and Nora Holt um, was deeply involved in music making. She was a singer, very much involved in the church, um, founded the, I think, Imperial Opera Company to make sure that Black um, opera singers had opportunities that Segregation just wouldn't allow them to pursue. Um, so it's just amazing. All these women knew each other. They were all working towards similar goals, but in, in their own very distinct way, you know, bringing their own unique talents. So I'm sure you can tell why I get so excited about telling these stories.
1: In 1933, the CSO Chicago Symphony Orchestra gave the world premiere of Symphony Number no. 1 by Florence Price which was a truly historic event. The presentation of a symphony written by a woman, a black woman, during the early 20th century, now that was unheard of at that time. Sadly, little has changed in the world of classical music since then, would you agree?
0: Absolutely, I think that while it's wonderful that Florence Price is experiencing this revival, why is it that we're, we're not recognizing contemporary um, black classical composers or those that came in between you know, her 1933 debut and the present moments that we're at? And um, you know, I must recognize all of the, the sort of hidden academics and performers who, Created the work that would then inspire my own. You know, Raylinda Brown, um, Dr. Raylinda Brown, spent so much of her academic life trying to bring Price's story to the fore and unfortunately died before the 2020 um, publication of her book. And she has done so much that she's not able to witness it, similar to, you know, Price herself breaking all these boundaries and not really being able to enjoy the fruits of her labor in a sustained way. Um, I also think of Helen Walker Hill, um, whose collections are at the Center for Black Music Research, who, um, she was a performer as well as a musicologist, um, like Dr. Raylinda Brown and, um, you know, like me. And so to to see scholarship um, that is more broadly defined, you know, where you can be a performer, you can be a historian, And you can be someone who speaks to the public about this um, is is so important. And I I think we should recognize that as we are recognizing Florence Price, you know, who who helped us to to get to this point where we actually know about her. And you'll find that it's a long history of women.
1: (laughs) As you mentioned, many of those remarkable women were scholars as well as performers is yourself. Let's listen to a performance by Dr. Samantha Ege, performing Nico Dance by Neurohot. Dege, can you share with us information about some of your present writing assignments books articles research projects collaborations
0: so the book that i'm writing at the moment is all about florence price's network so i want to tell florence price's story as a as a collectivist history as a as a history in which Florence Price is not the beginning, she's not the end, but she's part of this rich tapestry. Um, so that's a book that I'm writing, and I'm also, I am also have some really amazing collaborative projects. So with my colleague A. Corey Hill, who is a PhD candidate at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, we are writing The Cambridge Companions of Florence B. Price. And something that I just want to stress about these Cambridge Companions is that This is actually the first time that a Cambridge Companion has been written about a Black woman in classical music. And this is also um, the first time that Black women have been commissioned as co-editors of this. And we're actually technically junior scholars as well. So that makes it even more of an accomplishment because it really shows that, you know, these labels ultimately they don't mean anything. You know, we are so passionate about this area and we have between us just so much expertise and we're so excited and enthusiastic so it's I think it's important to share that because there's you know perhaps the sense that these Cambridge companions reflect um you know the sort of staples of the canon and that you have to be a certain kind of scholar or you have to look a certain way to edit these volumes. And I, I love that curry and I are just shattering all of that. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm also co-authoring a Florence Price biography with Douglas Shadel who is a professor at Vanderbilt University. So as I mentioned earlier, Raylinda Brown has written the biography on Florence Price. And what we're doing is we're not looking to replace that at all. What we want to do is just simply add to the knowledge about Florence Price. Um, in 2009, there were discoveries um, in terms of manuscripts and, and, and just things that didn't seem to exist before that. And not all of that is in Raylinda Brown's biography. And so we have an opportunity to really build on the work that she did and to, to have dialogue with her work because, you know, that's sort of what's missing with Price. We have. I don't know how many books about Beethoven, Mozart, Brahms, et cetera, Um, you know, we have scholars approaching this from different angles and it really adds to this rich body of literature. This is what we want with Florence Price. So I'm excited that I get to, you know, on the one hand pursue my own book project and then on the other hand, work with such brilliant scholars and and, uh, really expand my own knowledge and expertise here. and I've written some articles as well about Price's network um, I did a really fun comparative study actually on Florence Price and a prominent white woman composer in Chicago. Just to see you know what was it like for women from different cultural backgrounds different ethnic backgrounds to be pursuing classical music um, because Chicago is highly segregated. And it's especially was during that time, you know, and sometimes when we talk about women composers, um, we're really saying white women composers. So I really wanted to, to actually get into that. What did it mean for these women across the color line um, to, to be pursuing composition in interwar Chicago? Um, so that was a really, really fun paper to write. And I spent time at Newbury Library. Um, just going through these archives and and exploring that story. Um, And I've also been writing a lot about Nora Holt as well. Um, She is just such a fabulous woman. I was just blown away to learn that when she would perform in London, uh, the Prince of Wales, who was the future King Edward VIII, used to come to her concerts and shower her with gifts. So it was kind of like he was in love with her. Um, it made me wonder if there could have been a, you know, a prequel to Meghan and Harry back in the 1920s with Nora and King Edward. We We could have had, you know, a different queen, but <laughs> she was a queen in her own right. And I just love learning about her. And it's such a shame that um, her two hundred plus compositions were stolen, and that we're only left with these um with two pieces, one of which I've recorded, which is a short piano solo work. Um, but she is such an important figure, and so she is someone that I can just see myself writing about um in so many different ways because she really lived many, many lives.
1: <laughs> Any plans to visit Chicago this year?
0: Yes, I am working on coming over in September to do some archival work. Um, but you know if anyone wants to involve me in a performance, I'm around. <laughs> um, so you know let me know before I book those flights. Um, but yes, I, I plan to be in Chicago um, around the autumn or fall, I should say of this year. And, and I think hopefully if things continue to improve, my visits will be a lot more regular as well. For those
1: of us who want to continue to find out more about the work that you're doing and buy some of your cds buy your books as well you do have a website correct
0: correct my website is Um, i'm also very active on social media so twitter instagram and facebook i'm there um, i'm always sharing my work uh, whether it's publications or albums or um radio shows or just anything that I'm doing, I will share it. So it's very easy to follow what I'm doing.
1: Before we conclude this interview, are there any things you would like to share with our audience?
0: I just want to express a lot of gratitude for the support that I have felt um, when I've been in Chicago. It's my my best performance memories are in Chicago. it's just been incredible. And I I know that I'm an outsider um, to Chicago. And so to feel that uh, receptiveness, um, generosity, and to feel so embraced um, has made a huge difference to me as a performer, as a scholar, you know, I'm inspired to do this work to the best of my ability because of that support. So I just say, you know, a continued, Thank you, and I hope that my work is seen as paying tribute to this amazing history and to the amazing support um, that I have in Chicago, so thank you.
1: Dr. Samantha Ege, thank you.